Good evening. I hope everyone is doing well. One of the things that I want our studies together to do is not only cover scripture and biblical doctrine, but also to be very practical and to address the difficulties and concerns that many of you face throughout your life. In just the past week alone, uh, I've spoken to three different families who have either uh, experienced or know of someone who's experiencing some form of abuse. These families are not part of our church, but they are a part of our community. And I'm convinced that they are just a small sample of what is a much larger problem in our community and in communities all across our nation. Uh, this is a terrible thing to hear about, and it's even a worse thing to have to endure. And unfortunately, many people who experience abuse, whether it be emotional abuse, verbal or physical abuse, uh, do so in relative isolation with very few people around them even knowing what's going on. I just want to say that I don't enjoy talking about these sort of things, but I do believe that it's important. It's important for all of us to know about things like this so that we can recognize them and do our part to address these issues. And it's important because perhaps God will use a study like this to reach someone who's in an abusive relationship and bring about hope and healing through it. So I would like to take the, just the next few weeks to speak about this issue from a pastoral perspective. I hope to bring clarity to this issue so that we can all recognize the sign of abuse and those around us and bring some hope and support to those who find themselves in, in a nightmare like this. To begin with, I would like for us to define what we're actually talking about. There are many different types of abuse that are out there, but we're going to be focusing on primarily on three particular forms of abuse. The first one, and what could be arguably said to be a more milder form of abuse, is what is called emotional abuse. Emotional abuse is the ongoing negative behavior used to control or hurt another person. The main phrase I want you to focus on in that is to control or hurt. There are different types of abuse, but the common thread that runs through all of them is the need to control. This attempt to control can be passive aggressive, like when a mother gives her daughter a guilt trip uh, so that she won't get married and leave the house. Or it can be more openly aggressive, like when a husband physically assaults his wife during a disagreement. Now, most people agree that physical abuse is bad, but not everyone recognizes the seriousness of emotional or verbal abuse. They may think of, uh, that people need to grow thicker skin or not be so emotional. After all, we've all had people say mean things to us, right? But what we need to recognize is that emotional and, and verbal abuse is not just the odd or random hurtful word, but it's an ongoing and regular tearing down of a person through words and actions. In fact, the damage from emotional abuse can last far longer than any damage from the other kinds of abuse because bruises can fade and bones will heal in time. But often the unseen hurt and trauma uh, of emotional and verbal abuse can last in a lifetime and really uh, lead to people making some uh, horrible decisions and even causing uh, self-inflicted harm. So that's emotional abuse, the ongoing negative behavior that seeks to control or hurt another person. And that's uh, actually present in all different types of abuse, whether it be verbal abuse or even physical abuse, all of them carry with it an, emo an emotional type of abuse as well. But I think it deserves to be mentioned on its own because of its prevalence and importance in many of our lives. 
I think it's uh, important as we think about emotional abuse to note that it is often covert in how it's used against other people. It's not always readily externally seen in relationships and in people. What I mean by that is this type of abuse does not have um, to be something that someone does to you, but rather it can often be something that someone withholds from you. Uh, for example, you're probably familiar with the silent treatment. Uh, you and a loved one are having an argument and either you or the other person withholds affection, communication, or something else that they would normally bring to the relationship and they do this as a way of punishing you or getting even with you. This neglect can be very, very hurtful uh, in a relationship. And so we need to be careful of it. The next form of abuse that we need to note is what is called verbal abuse. Now, this type of, type of abuse is much more obvious. Here, a person uses words to beat down or erode a person's sense of self-worth or value. Again, the definition of verbal abuse is the ongoing use of harmful words or a sharp tone in, in an attempt to control or to dominate another person. <clears throat> Again, notice that the goal is to control or to dominate. This type of abuse can be seen when a husband is constantly silencing his wife when she tries to express her own opinions or is always correcting what she says when she tries to speak up in conversation. It can also be seen in a wife who belittles her husband privately or in front of kids or in front of friends. Another uh, thing that is important for us to note is that children can often be the unintended victims of this when stressed or irritated parents lash out verbally with words like, can't you get anything right? Or yelling uh, for their children to shut up. Now, before many of you either become defensive or feel like horrible parents, let it be known that none of us are perfect. Even the best parents will make mistakes and will occasionally lose their temper and say hurtful things. We've all been there. We've all done that. That does not make you a bad parent or even worse, an abusive parent. What it makes you is human, and it makes you someone who needs God's grace each and every day. What we're talking about here is the regular ongoing verbal abuse that some have to endure nearly every day. Now, I want us to turn our attention to the last form of abuse, which is physical abuse. This is the abuse that often grabs everyone's attention, and for good reason. Physical abuse is, the, is devastating and can often turn deadly if, if it's left unaddressed. This abuse is the use of physical force to, again, control or dominate another person. Many studies say that 95% of the time, women are the victims of this kind of abuse. And strangely enough, many of these women blame themselves for the abuse, which encourages only more abuse and more serious and severe forms of abuse. This type of abuse often follows a very predictable pattern or cycle. The first stage of this uh, cycle is that the abuser is agitated. Uh, they can be agitated at the, at the victim or something completely different. A husband can have a rough day at work and then come home and because he's already agitated, take it out on his uh, wife or on his children. During this period, the abuser will often resort to emotional or verbal abuse. It hasn't turned physical yet. Often it starts with just emotional and verbal abuse. Meanwhile, the victim or victims often try to appease the abuser in an attempt to avoid greater agitation 
and physical abuse. The second stage is when the abuser's anger becomes acute or focused. Here the abuser becomes so agitated that the anger erupts and takes control. When the violent behavior is unleashed, family members, friends, outsiders, or even the police are often called in to help de uh, defuse the situation. This stage usually doesn't last long, but over time, these outbursts tend to become more and more frequent and more and more dangerous. The final stage is the apology stage. Some refer to this as the honeymoon stage. This is where the abuser tries to make up for any damage or hurt that he has caused. This is when the abuser either truly feels sorry or at least communicates remorse and tries to make an amend. The temporary, this temporary phase is often characterized by dramatic transformation from being scary to being sweet, to driving fear into the, uh, the, the lives of those that he loves, to trying to make restitution and make everything better. During this time, the abuser demonstrates their sincerity by following the following actions. Often there are apologies, there's crying, there's gifts, sometimes extravagant gifts, uh, maybe trying to be extraordinarily helpful, doing the dishes, taking out the trash, helping kids with homework, uh, bargaining that uh, if you take me back, I'll never do this again and things will be so much better. Being romantic, giving promises and or just pleading uh, for uh, them to be taken back. With the hope of change, oftentimes the wife and the wife's desire uh, for a happy marriage or in some cases thinking that she doesn't deserve any better, Many times the wife or the victim forgives uh, the abuser. But this phase, this phase does not last. The cycle of anger and abuse occurs again and again and again. So those are the three types of, of abuses that we're going to be focusing on during this study. Now that we have a general idea of what uh, types of abuses uh, there are, I want us to take a moment and I want to just speak directly to those who are facing some of these types of abuses and those who know of someone who's, a fa who's facing these abuses. First, I want, to, I want everyone watching this video who's experienced abuse or is currently in an abusive relationship to understand something. You are precious. You're valuable. You are incredibly loved. You don't deserve to be mistreated. I don't care what you've done, what you are doing, or where you've come from. You are precious in God's sight and deserve to be treated as such. In fact, I just want to read a passage of scripture. It's a, it comes from a wonderful book, uh, or part of uh, the book of Psalms. It's Psalm 139, and in this, uh, King David is writing about all the, the wonderful knowledge that God has of him and how God loves him dearly. Now, I'm not going to read the whole psalm uh, for us here this evening, but I do want to point out at least two verses of scripture that I want you to pay close attention to. And this applies not just to King David, but it applies to every single person created in the image of God. Regardless of what they've done, regardless of past mistakes or anything like that, I want you to hear very clearly what God thinks of you. Here's what uh, David writes in Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. He says this, How precious are your thoughts of me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. 
Here David communicates that uh, God, the God of the universe, the God that created everything, the God who holds our life in his hands, he loves us with an incredible, unfathomable love. And his thoughts are always on us. When we're asleep, he's thinking of us. When we are living for him and doing all that he asks us to do, he's thinking of us. And when we fall short and when we get uh, away from him, he's still loving us and thinking of us. I want everyone within the sound of my voice to understand God loves you. He's, you're constantly on his mind, and he's working for your good and for your blessing, okay? So if you are in a physically abusive relationship, you need to understand that you need to get help immediately. Do not fall into the, um, to the thinking that you deserve this abuse that you're uh, encountering. That is not true. You need to get help, and you need to get help immediately. You need to contact either your local police, a counselor, an abuse hotline like the National Domestic Abuse Hotline, and we'll provide the, the number and resources for, for some of these things uh, at the end of this video. But I want you to know that there are, are people who love you, who will help you, and who will walk uh, with you through this difficult time. Now, I know that there are some women who are afraid to leave an unsafe situation because they're afraid of what the abuser may do to her, what the abuser may do to himself, or maybe perhaps that God will be upset with her if she leaves her husband. Let me quickly say that you do not need to be afraid of what, um, of what will happen if you leave. You, don't, you need to be afraid of what will happen if you don't leave. As for uh, your, uh, your spouse and what he may do to himself, if, if you leave, listen, I want to encourage you to understand that this is just simply another form of abuse to keep you under control. You cannot control what anyone else in this world does. You can only control yourself. And you need to do what is best for you in this situation, which is to get help and to get some form of safety. Now, as for God, I want you to hear me very clearly. God has never ever called a person to remain in an abusive relationship or to submit to being a victim of someone else. You need to get to safety and you need to begin the healing process. Now, to those who suspect that someone you know is in an abusive relationship, let me share a few thoughts with you. First, I understand that you are in an incredibly difficult situation where you find that there's someone you know or perhaps someone that you love who's in, a, in an abusive and difficult situation. And it puts you in a very difficult spot as well. Depending on your situation, there may not, there, there may not be any good or easy options for you to choose. The first thing that you need to be mindful of is to listen to and be respectful of the abused person. Listen. Abuse is all about taking control away from someone. The last thing we need to do in our attempts to help someone is to, again, override the, uh, their decision and not listen to them and take um, uh, responsibility for something they need to be taking responsibility for, to override their wishes in that situation. I know that's difficult. When you see someone that you care about and that you love who's being abused, the first thing you want to do is, uh, is, is ride in there and intervene and rescue them from uh, that particular thing. But listen, oftentimes that can be just as destructive as anything else going on in their life. Um, we need to understand that the first thing you need to do is be mindful of and listen to and be respectful to the abused person. Uh, for many, it's really tempting to call the police and rescue the person from that situation. But before you do that, let me point out a few things that you need to keep in mind. First, if you don't coordinate with the abused person, as to the best time to notify 
uh, the police, it could result in the police not being able to do anything because, again, they have a certain procedure they have to do. They have to have certain uh, qualifications and, and, and things that have to be done in order to help out in that, those types of situations. And so they, you may contact them, and they may not be able to do anything in that moment, okay? And that may cause the abuser to become even more angry and to abuse uh, the person to a greater degree. Okay, and so it's really important that you work with uh, the abused individual to coordinate how to best uh, get away from that dangerous situation. Also, as strange as it may seem, the victim of the abuse may resent your intrusion. They may not be willing to leave. They may see your intervention as a breach in the trust that they confided in you, in you. They've told you about something very deep and personal in their life. And then you went and told someone else or, or, or stepped outside of what they were comfortable with you doing. And that can hinder them from confiding in you uh, any longer in the future. And it may result in even more abuse uh, uh, in, the, in the days ahead. And so it's really important that you work along with the person who is suffering abuse. Okay, if possible, work with and support the victim of the abuse so that they feel empowered to find freedom from the abuse. Otherwise, uh, they're they're going to end up either returning to the person who's abusing them or experiencing abuse in another relationship. If they have not learned what uh, has led to this or, or what um, false thinking has has guided them into this abusive relationship, they are liable to continue to repeat that pattern. So it's important that you work with them and help them along the way to learn from this and to be healthier in the days ahead. So pray with them, support them, encourage them uh, to seek help through knowledgeable and skilled organizations and, and counselors who can help them through this. Uh, some of which, again, like I said, I'll uh, supply at the end of this video. Now, I know this is a difficult subject, and I know that it would be so much easier not to talk about this. But as, I, I've, as I've already said, uh, this is something that unfortunately is very prevalent in our communities. As Christians, we are called to apply the gospel not only to people's spiritual lives, but also to their daily lives, especially to the ugly parts like abuse. We would all do well to be aware of it and to know how to respond. In the days ahead, we're going to be looking at why people abuse other people, why people allow others to abuse them, as well as steps that we can take to help fix these uh, relationships before things go too far and, and, um, and we cross a line that we can't come back from. Again, like I said, this is not something that I'm often comfortable talking uh, about. And I know many of y'all would rather not probably hear this, but this is something that we all need to be aware of so that we can tackle these issues. I, I'm praying for each and every one of you. If you are someone who is uh, in an abusive relationship uh, and you need someone to talk to, you can always reach out to me. I would love to pray with you, to uh, listen to you, and to help you in any way I can. I'll be praying for each and every one of you in the upcoming weeks ahead as we uh, continue this study, and I pray that God will use us in a tremendous way to bless and encourage uh, all those that God brings our way. So until next week, take care and God bless.